A couple years ago, a New York Times media critic summed up my thoughts about Twitch perfectly. Is this really a thing? If you're like me, you thought of it as a fringy streaming service that only appealed to hardcore gamers. That is until Amazon bought it for nearly a billion dollars. Often called the ESPN of the online gaming industry, Twitch has put esports and live streaming on the map like never before. On this week's episode of Generation App, we'll hear from two avid streamers about how they use Twitch and why they love it so much. From GeekWire.com, this is Generation App, the show where we try to navigate the constantly changing digital landscape. Today, we're talking about the live streaming service, Twitch. I'm your host, Monica Nicholsberg. Joining me is GeekWire co-founder, Todd Bishop, and two real-life Twitch streamers, Mary-Kate Ives and Jason Preston. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. This will be fun. Before we jump in, I want to give a little bit of background, but there's so much I don't know about Twitch. So I'd rather, if there's something I miss, you guys should totally jump in because there probably is going to be something left out. Can do. So the San Francisco company was purchased by Amazon in 2014 for $970 million. Um, It's a platform that lets you live stream anything, right? But it's mostly used by gamers to broadcast what they're playing and then their followers to watch. Right. Mm -hmm. Did they leave anything out? Uh, they're only just now starting to expand into non-gaming. For a while, they had, you know, in their terms of service, you had to be doing gaming and you could pretty much only take short breaks um, as long as it wasn't the focus of your channel. You could, you know, stop and eat a snack, but, you know, only briefly. Uh, you could live stream building a new computer if you were going to be using that computer in future gaming streams. But the focus really was gaming for a long time. And then I would say, what was it maybe last year or maybe two years ago that they added the creative section and now there's a music section and a gaming talk shows section and they just added a social eating category that was kicked off with the julia child marathon did you guys catch any of that no so when they announced this food channel they streamed every single episode of the french chef i think it's called her pbs show Mm -hmm. it came on the heels of the bob ross marathon the joy of painting so it seems like they're starting to branch out now So right off the bat, I just want to ask, what is it that really draws you guys to Twitch? What makes it special to you? For me, Twitch is fascinating because it takes a community that exists around the globe and removes geography as a question, right? You have millions of people that play Counter-Strike, and in Seattle, I could probably find six, right? But it doesn't matter if I'm connecting with them over Twitch, and... It's done a lot to enable people to play video games and not have to be a professional, professionally skilled game player. You can just be a very good entertainer and make a career out of it, make a go of it. And I think that's really opened up the possibilities for people who want to, uh, you know, who have a passion for playing games, who have a passion for competition, but maybe aren't, you know, in the top. 150 people in the world with a particular kind of hand-eye coordination or with a particular kind of competitive skill. And I think Twitch has been a real catalyst in in making that that possible. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think probably the most magical thing about Twitch for me is the fact that it is such a global community. And especially when you have you know, you have these people who kind of rally around an individual broadcaster. Um, you know, the people in my chat, some of them have become friends. Some of them have met in real life. Uh, Twitch now does its own um, convention, TwitchCon. They had their first one last year in San Francisco. Um, this year's is in San Diego in, uh, gosh. October. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep getting it mixed up because MineCon is in Anaheim the weekend before. And then it's, yeah, uh, TwitchCon in San Diego in October. And uh, it's really neat to see this global community come together. And I mean, people become friends across continents. And I mean, I have people who, you know, watch me in the Philippines and in, you know, Europe and stuff. And I think my favorite thing is that I I know that if I were to just show up in any major city in England, Australia, most across Europe, I would be able to just reach out and be like, hey, who wants to get lunch? And I would have a local who'd be like, yeah, let's let's get lunch. That's great. You guys make a really good case for it. Now I want to bring in some outside voices to tell us what they think about Twitch. I caught up with Frankie Godoy-Cartez and Christopher Krieger to talk about the streaming site. I use Twitch mostly just to watch people play video games, of course. Uh, there have been other weird things going on lately where Twitch has had uh, some people modify their API. So they hack different games, including Pokemon. <laughs> where people in the comments ended up playing the Pokemon game using their comments back in 2014. And it was the sensation Twitch plays Pokemon that took over the internet for a good two weeks. I was at Amazon and I think they just acquired them. What was it like when Amazon acquired Twitch? Um, I know it was a really big deal. Um, So I'm really, really big into YouTube and stuff. So the first person that came to my mind was like PewDiePie who's like the biggest online gamer in the world. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, so it's like to make more him and Stampy Cats who do like Minecraft and, and Call of Duty and Modern Warfare and all that stuff. Um, so it was interesting. I think it's definitely um, a direction that online gaming's going towards where you can just like zone out and watch like a TV show. There's definitely plenty of games that I've watched. Um, people do a playthrough um, and just watch instead of TV sometimes. And it's like entertaining enough to keep your attention? Yeah, it depends on the commentary. So PewDiePie, for example, he's not even American. He's like Swedish, I think. Um, And he was just like really outrageous. And he just played like these really ridiculous games. But he's just like really entertaining. So I think it's it's the showmanship and the narration um, of gaming. Um, That's where it comes. Or when you're like playing against other people and just the conversation. Because sometimes I don't have the energy to to go play a game, but sometimes it's just fun to like zone out and watch a game be played. I stream occasionally uh, just to, well, if I want my friends to watch me play video games, I'm not terribly good at any, but watching them watch me through the comments and what they have to say is just a general way to hang out. And maybe if someone else wants to come by and watch what I'm doing, then, well, it's fun. That was Frankie Godoy-Cortez and Christopher Krieger sharing their experience with Twitch. Todd, I'm interested to hear your perspective on all this. I'm actually less clueless on this topic than you might think because I know a little bit about the history of Twitch. Did you know that it originally did not start as Twitch? I didn't. It started as a site called Justin TV, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then morphed into Twitch. So there was a, a Seattle techie by the name of Justin Kahn who started this site to basically live stream his life. 
and it went so far and then they could only take it that far and, and they morphed it into Twitch and it's one of the great startup entrepreneurial stories of our generation really because they sold to Amazon for something on the order of $970 million. So they pivoted as they say in the startup world. <laughs> Successful pivot. Exactly, mm-hmm. very. <laughs> now MK, you make your living streaming on Twitch, right? Right. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that? So it's ad revenue and then there's this thing called subscriptions. Um, People can pay like five bucks a month to essentially have access to special emoticons, special privileges. They get to play on a a special Minecraft server for just my subscribers. So it's um, it's a combination of subscriber revenue and um, ad revenue. And do either of you guys use the Amazon affiliate links? I have it kind of halfway set up, but I haven't really used it at all yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jason? kind of a funny case because I never did. I've did a ton of YouTube and Twitch game content, and none of it's for money. Um, it's a labor <laughs> I'm sort of, of love. weird in that. It, you know, I I have things that I do that make money. You know, I run a, a a conference and and I do some other stuff like that. And so the the gaming stuff that I do is largely just about. It's something that I love. I love esports. I love uh, you know promoting it as an activity and making it kind of something that it's okay to talk about. I think there's a lot of people, I mean, I've had friends that, you know, we're friends for 10 years and then one day for some reason we'll manage to find out that we both like, you know, some particular video game. It's like we both played WoW or whatever. And it's just not something that it's okay to bring up in conversation. And I think that's a real shame. And so a lot of what I do is trying to make it more of an okay thing, I guess. Change perceptions of gamers. Yeah, and yeah, I guess. Yeah, just and the, the, this work is happening on its own, right? I mean, people, mm-hmm. you know, things are changing, people are growing up. It's more, you know, the it, I think it's fascinating to look at um video games as a whole. You've got games like The Last of Us, which is a couple years old now, which you it's one of the I think of it as a landmark game where I look at it and I go, "Okay, some adult people who are game developers made this game as opposed to the and they're the same game developers that were making games 10 years ago." And, and the topic has changed. The, the Last of Us could be summed up in a way as like a game where somebody asked the question, what would happen if you loved your daughter more than the world? <laughs> That's a very adult question to be asking when you're making a video game, right? And I think it's really cool. So that represents, or that's maybe a way of showing that, that things are changing anyway. It's interesting that you bring that up because like, you know, when I was growing up, everybody played video games and it doesn't seem... I'm surprised that it it almost took this long for people to realize that there are so many gamers in the world and that's a huge market that you can make money off of. It seems mm-hmm. like right now gaming and esports are having a huge moment. ESPN is launching its, you know, completely dedicated esports channel. Twitch is so popular. Why do you think it took so long or why is it happening now? I think a huge part of it is social media and the growing capabilities of multiplayer and also, I mean, the, the competitive world, like the, the Dota 2 International Championships are hosted here in Seattle. Um, Dota is a Valve game and Valve is a Seattle-based company. And uh, I mean, they have those in what key arena and the the prize pool is something like $17 million. I mean, it's it's crazy. So I think the fundamental question for me as somebody who doesn't engage in the world of Twitch and is the basic question, so forgive me, but why would you want to watch other people play video games? I get this question a lot, and it's I, actually I really straightforward. You know, I mean, it's no different from watching somebody else play football. You know, if, if you like watching people play sports, you might like watching people play esports. Yeah. 
there's three things that people watch really when they're watching video game content on Twitch. One is they're watching live competition, which is very similar to watching, you know, the U.S. Open or you know any uh, NFL game. You see two teams of professionals. Uh, showing skill in a game that you care about. Uh, you can root for one team or another. Another thing that people are doing is they're watching, uh, it's sort of like having a private feed of like a point of view camera of LeBron, LeBron James while he's running around the court, right? It's like you get to see what a professional or somebody who is uh, you know, good at the game or just entertaining mm-hmm. is, is doing to make the game fun and interesting and you can learn from that. And a third thing is actually just, I was looking through the PlayStation um, store the other day that you you know on your ps4 you go in and you look through the store and there's a link right there to go watch it's like do you want to buy a lego star wars i don't know click the thing that says go find broadcasts of the of the game right so you can go and look at a game uh not a trailer um you can sort of see a actual gameplay for as long or as little time as you want to make a purchase decision so those three things are happening all the time on, on game content with twitch so, MK, you said that you had been anonymous on Twitch until mm-hmm. very, very recently. Is there a specific reason for that? A lot of it comes down to safety. I think especially being a woman in gaming, um, I started out in the Minecraft community, which is very diverse and a pretty a pretty healthy community. Um, lots of voices, lots of diversity, um, women, men, kind of all ages. And so that was a really positive place to get started in but there are a lot of communities out there that are more dangerous um, potentially toxic um, lots of um, verbal abuse and stuff and and also I guess the other big reason I started out anonymously was that I had a day job and my boss was really um, intense and I had this weird thought in my head that if she found out that I was like moonlighting as a gamer, she would find some crazy reason to fire me. Maybe like looking back, I'm like, maybe that's a little crazy on my part, but uh, she was one of those crazy bosses. Um, And so those two things combined with um, just personal safety, you know, um, you don't want people to know where you live. I mean, I have a girlfriend. She goes by um, the Haley baby on Twitch. One of her viewers concocted this relationship between the two of them in his mind. And he sent her like he stalked her and sent her photos of her with her actual boyfriend and was like, why are you cheating on me? It was just like, wow. it's kind of scary. You have to you have to kind of take care of yourself and take preventative measures to keep yourself safe, really. And you feel like those kinds of situations emerge more on Twitch than in other places? Twitch, YouTube, I think that this kind of new media in entertainment, you know, where anybody can turn themselves into a star, creates this much closer relationship and almost more, I guess, more symbiotic relationship between an entertainment personality and their audience where, you know, it it really is the fans that built them. They weren't found by a talent scout. They didn't, you know, happen to crush it at an audition to get in a Disney movie. They they were completely built by their fans. And so I think that gives some fans a sense of ownership over the the personality, over their brand. And sometimes that can maybe go a little bit further than it should. 
I have to ask the very crass question. How much money can you make streaming on Twitch? Uh, so that's a very interesting question. I actually don't make a lot. I live very frugally, but I made the decision that I would rather live frugally and be my own boss. And I get to travel a lot for a living. You know, I get sent to a lot of conventions and I've gotten to kind of go all over the world, actually, in the past couple of years, which has been awesome. Um, but I mean, some people can make a lot of money. I would say that the ceiling is way higher on YouTube than it is on Twitch because to make money on Twitch, you have to be live every day. You know, it's it's a lot of hours. Are we talking like six figures annually or, or more? Some people make more. I don't. I certainly don't make yeah. really that much. Yeah. Does yeah. it depend on the game that you play? It sometimes depends on the game. A lot of it depends on how... It depends on being an early adopter. You know, some of the first people in there are just so cemented at the you know, at the top of the the ladder, I guess, that, you know, some, I guess it's... I think being a pro helps. You right. Know, mm-hmm. There's, I mean, and... and being a pro and gamer. Depending on, right, and, and depending on what game you play, there are different things you can do within your stream to make money, right? Do you take donations, just generally? I do, but I don't ask for them. Mm-hmm. People have to ask how to donate. In a percentage, how many of your donations are, um, end up being chargebacks? I actually am very lucky with that. I've had a few here and there, but I think I've only ever had about three chargebacks in my entire history of streaming, and I think the total amount is under 50 bucks. Okay. You'll a have lot to of tell streamers, us what a chargeback yeah. is. <laughs> right. A, a lot of streamers will have a, a, you know, you're watching a video, and so they'll have a thing on their screen that um, shows when a donation comes through. It's like, you know, so-and-so donated 40 bucks, so-and-so donated 100 bucks. Sometimes there's a little message that goes with it. So in a sense, you can buy an advertisement, right? Um, You know, if I wanted to, I could, you know, go on a stream and say, hey, come to Dent, and $100 donation. (laughs) Um, And sometimes people to, you know, just be the you know the big man on campus or whatever will go and make a ten thousand dollar donation to a streamer and a number of folks that I know that get larger donations they say maybe fifty percent of those end up being um, it's often through PayPal or something and so they end up being taken back right so the donation is made uh, the chat recognizes the donation everybody sees the donation message but then they don't end up actually donating the money like thirty days later they'll take the money back because. PayPal doesn't really have a, um, a donation or gift category. So what will happen is the person will send money and then they'll go to PayPal and be like, I ordered this thing from somebody for $10,000, hypothetically, and they never sent it to me. So I want my money back. And PayPal just sends the money back to them. Wow. So do you think maybe it's possible that Twitch will build in its own donation platform? They kind of actually already are. They just introduced this thing called cheering i guess and it's like a currency within twitch where you can like like a little graphic pops up in the chat and it says like how much they cheered and the cheering currency is called bits i i don't fully understand it they just rolled it out to maybe like 30 channels to start and this just happened like last week or something i haven't even seen it yet what i mean i can't you know obviously speculate on what they're gonna do but what i know about um emmett uh, who's the CEO of Twitch, is that he's very intentional about following what the users are doing, um, which is how the, the creative category and this whole sort of splitting out happened in the first place, is he was just looking at the 
you know, the use of the platform and just said, wow, there's a bunch of people doing, you know, tattoos and stuff. That's kind of, it's sort of on the edge, right? It's like not really a game, but this behavior is there and it's growing rapidly and there's a lot of interest in it. So maybe let's try and support it. And so in the same realm, you know, any, any company has to focus its resources, but anything that you see uh, within the platform, a ton of people, you know, looking at, I, I think is fair game for Twitch, of course. Yeah, I think it was last year that YouTube introduced YouTube gaming as sort of a rival to Twitch. Have you seen like your friends or followers jump ship? And how, what's the interaction like between those two communities? Jason's laughing. Oh, man. <laughs> um, well, because I am partnered with Twitch and they you know, give me a cut of ad revenue and stuff, I'm under contract to not stream anywhere else. So I haven't jumped ship. I know some people who do stream there. It, and on YouTube gaming, the, like, the chat system is just chaos. It's very difficult to moderate the chat. It's, um, I kind of think it's a bit of a mess, but maybe that's just because I'm a Twitch loyalist. <laughs> Have you heard of Google Plus? <laughs> uh, oh, it's dry. It's somewhere back there in my memory banks. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a bit of that. I mean, yeah. It, it, Props to Google for trying something. Um, they built a player that in a lot of ways, um, the, the performance of the player is better than mm -hmm. the performance of the player on Twitch, especially if you have a Mac. But uh, ultimately, if you go to on Google, what you'll see is a lot of secondary, you know, there's a big tournament in Europe. ESL is doing a big tournament, and there's a uh, stream that is their Twitch stream that is rebroadcast to Google for people who are having connection issues on Twitch. Like, that's what's on the Google platform. And there have been a few um, other potential competitors that have arisen. There, There's a website called Hitbox that a few people that I know used for a little bit. Um, it didn't really seem to take off too well, but there is a new kind of competitor on the block that's been around maybe, I wow, maybe almost a couple years now, and it's called Beam. And it, they're actually located uh, here in Seattle, new startup. And uh, they have a kind of like a zero latency thing is what they... Mm is kind of one of their biggest, I guess, brand um, statements is that there's so little delay because on Twitch, the delay between when you're actually playing the game and when people in the chat see it can be 30 seconds or so. And on Beam, their whole thing is that their delay is just like a matter of like a couple seconds. Mm. Interesting. So we talked a little bit about the food channel on Twitch. You know, there's the joy of painting, which is my favorite thing that Twitch mm -hmm. has done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what do you guys think is next? Like, where is this headed? Well, I mean, you know, Twitch has an interesting thing going on there. It's a it's a business that is uh, it's in something that is growing rapidly, right? Esports is a huge is a huge and expanding audience at the moment, both for you know entertainment and for folks like MK doing um, you know their own channels. It's obviously part of Amazon. Who knows what that means for the company, really? Because nobody knows what it means to be inside on Amazon. And they have this great platform that is solidified by a lot of network effects. They own this, you know, unless they trip, <laughs> mm -hmm. they own this. And so as an organization, you have to ask, do we focus on this? Do we double down on this growing market or do we find other places to, to go? And they've already told us by launching creative and uh, food that they are looking for other, you know, to use the business parlance, looking for other verticals, right, that they can create a similar business. I can speculate a little bit here just from the Amazon perspective. You've already seen Amazon start to integrate some 
e-commerce capabilities into their Fire TV platform. So that's looking at it more from the Amazon perspective. I could see that coming from Twitch as well, where Twitch starts to provide, uh, and in fact, we've reported to this effect, uh, that Amazon is planning to do some live streaming, almost uh, like QVC or the Home Home Shopping Network, where they're live streaming basically deals uh, through their devices to people's living rooms. And at the very least, you could see them leveraging the Twitch infrastructure to make that possible, whether or not it's actually branded as Twitch or part of the Twitch platform. So uh, you can see a lot of complementary goals between Amazon as a company broadly and Twitch as part of Amazon. So if I want to get started on Twitch, where do I begin? What would be your advice to somebody who's totally new to it? Uh, Well, I think number one is that you have to have a video game that you like. And so Twitch sorts them by by genre and things like that. So if say, say you're a mom and you're trying to understand why your kids like Minecraft so much, there's a massive Minecraft section on Twitch or Help me out here, Jason. Well, it doesn't have to be video games. <laughs> right, I mean, that's honest, true. Yeah, it doesn't honestly, have to be if you want something, yeah. um, there's a show called Critical Role, which is a weekly show, and it's a group of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, it's super accessible. It's really fun. It's a plot storyline. It's a bunch of entertaining characters uh, for you know three hours uh, once a week. It's part of the geek and sundry sort of you know pantheon of content. I would say if you want to get started on Twitch, either as a broadcaster or as a viewer, you need to start as a viewer. I would just go find something that's interesting to you and watch it for a while. Well, this is great stuff. I really want to thank our guests, Mary-Kate Ives and Jason Preston, for coming out here and teaching Todd and me about Twitch. Yes. Thanks for having us. And this show and all our previous episodes will be available on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as at geekwire.com slash generation app. I'm your host, Monica Nicholsberg, and this is Generation App from GeekWire.